0: And we're going to speak about Holy Spirit, come back. Holy Spirit, come back. And if you got your Bibles, go with me to Isaiah, the 32nd chapter. And God is just so good. I mean, He is so good. I mean, Scriptures you never have known about in your life. uh, uh, That that just He comes and He brings and He opens up. And it's amazing, amazing how good God is. And so uh, open your Bibles to Isaiah 32. And I want to talk about when the Holy Spirit comes back, and how many know we need the Holy Spirit to come back, Amen, <laughs> to our lives, to our churches, to our communities everywhere. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then I just want to uh, share some things out of God's Word with you. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this day. We thank you for every person that is here and made it. A, 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 made a, God got up, got ready. God came to your house. God. I hope their hearts are expecting something from you. God, we didn't want to come here and tick a religious box. We want to come here to meet with the living God. And Father, I just pray that you would just speak to our hearts today. I pray, God, that you would deal with the complacency in our lives today. And that you would just, uh, Lord, come back to us. Come back to your church. Bring life, bring fruitfulness where there is barrenness, where there is dryness, where there is deadness. And God, I pray that you would just bring life and life through the Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. You're going to have to open your Bibles because they had a PowerPoint for another message and I don't have a PowerPoint for this message. So if you got your Bibles, which I hope you do, open them on your lap and we're going to go through some verses here and we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. When when God birthed his church, he birthed his church uh, by the power, he poured his spirit out. That's what he did. That's how that, he poured his spirit out upon 120 believers up in an upper room and the church began. That's how the church began. It began with power. And wherever the Spirit of God is, whatever when it, it's present, there is, there is, there, there should be proof, and there should be evidence of that. I mean, if if there if the Spirit is poured out in a place, then, then there ought to be something that tells us there's proof and evidence that the Spirit is there, right? Come on, there ought to be some sort of manifestation. There ought to be some sort of evidence in our life. There ought to be a we stand and lift up our hands, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. There ought to be some joy in this place. There ought to be some love replacing bitterness. There ought to be some, there ought to be some fruit of the Spirit going on in our lives. Come on. And where there is the absence of the Spirit, that is evident as well. And I see a lot of absence of the Spirit of God in America and in American churches and in our lives, including my life. And I'm saying, Holy Spirit, it's time to come back. It's time to come back. I, I see some of you because I know some of you are just steeped with pride. Pride. Because I, dealt, I, I sat with a believer this week, and I could not believe it. This lady's been in church all my life, and I sat with this lady. And she said, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing today. So I really, I don't know if I'm preaching, teaching, talking, I don't know. I really don't care. But I'm just going to try to obey the Lord. So, so, so I, I saw this lady who was in the hospital, and here's the word she said to me. Brad, God has been dealing with me while I'm on my back. And I'm like just amazed that I'm hearing this out of the mouth of this woman because I've never heard anything like this. And this is a woman who always just appears to have, uh, you know, just have things together. And she said, God's been dealing with me on my back. And she said, he's been showing me some things about my life. She said, I'm very selfish. And I said, good. I said, good. Good. She said, Brad, I'm a very selfish person. And she said, I've had a hard time saying I'm sorry. And she said, when I get out of here, she said, I've been talking to my husband this week. And we've been talking about some things. And I've been apologizing for some things. And she said, and I'm going to apologize to my children too. And I said, well, praise the Lord. Maybe revival's breaking out. And, 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 and if we have not seen the presence of God, which I don't think we're seeing much in our modern day church. We don't see these evidences. We don't see this. So the question becomes, are you living and walking in the fullness of the Spirit today? Let's just be honest about that. Are we really... I'm not talking about, did you do that at one time? I'm not talking about, did our churches do that at one time? I'm talking about, are you presently living? Are we seeing evidence of this in our lives? Are we seeing evidence of this in our church? Are we seeing evidence of this in our family? Are we seeing evidence of this when we're lying in a hospital bed? Joel describes the coming of the Spirit of God. And here's what he says will happen when the Spirit comes. He says, when the Spirit comes prophetic teaching comes. When the Spirit comes, he says, spiritual dreams begin to happen with our older people. He said, young people begin to have visions and receive visions. Why are we not seeing this? Are there dreams and visions coming into our lives and into our churches? Are there deliverances? He says, there will come deliverances. Why are we walking up so bound all the time and just so so many problems in our lives? Are deliverances coming? Because when evidence of the Spirit shows up, deliverances begin to happen pride begins to go like it did in this woman and there becomes a great harvest of souls because when the spirit comes people come to the Lord and we're not seeing that We talked about the harvest last week. The fields are ready and they're wide unto harvest. Why are we not seeing these churches full of souls? Why are we not seeing the body of Christ rise up and go out and telling people. Isaiah described when the Holy Spirit falls upon a group of people. And here's what he says in Isaiah 32 and 15. Look at what he says here. He says, until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high and the wilderness he says when it does, he says it becomes a fruitful field. I need to see a fruitful field in Brad Lindsay's life about three of you want to see it I want to see a fruitful field in my life I want to see a fruitful field in this church I want to see a fruitful field in your marriage I want to see a fruitful field in your family and some of you are so blind you think it's fruitful when it's barren you've been living in barrenness so long you can't even see it anymore This woman couldn't see it in her life. She thought everything was okay. I don't need to apologize to anybody. But when the Spirit comes, He shows you things about you, about the condition of your heart, about the condition of your family. I don't need repentance. I've been a believer for 32 years. I've been a a preacher for 32 years. I don't need nothing. That's the arrogance of our hearts. That's the pride of our hearts now. Let the Holy Spirit probe you. Let Him come in. It says the Spirit will be poured upon us, Isaiah says, from on high. And then the wilderness will become a fruitful field. And the fruitful field will be counted for a forest. He says, I want to turn your life, I want to turn your churches, not just into a fruitful field, but when I come, it will be a forest. And Isaiah says when the Holy Spirit comes... What was once barren becomes a harvest field. In other words, that dead patch of ground suddenly flourishes and teems with life. It suddenly comes and it begins to take the barrenness and to go. Isaiah says when the Holy Spirit comes, what was once barren becomes a harvest field and grows into a forest. Look at verse 16. And then he says, Then judgment shall dwell in the wilderness and righteousness shall remain a fruitful field. He adds, the Holy Spirit brings with him a message of judgment. See, this is what we've taken out of our churches. Yes. We take, I, I, we've created and crafted our own Jesus. My favorite preacher said he was doing a conference. And he was doing a conference at this, uh, at this place. And he went out into the audience at a certain point, And he said, I wanted to just sit among the people. It wasn't my turn to preach. Somebody else was about to preach. And he said, I sat there and a man came next to me. And the man said, I can't listen to you preach. And he got curious and he said, he, he said, when you preach, I have to put my ears, my hands over my ears. He said, I can't take it. I can't stand it. And, 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 and this guy said, normally I would just go on. He said, I've had all kinds of people say things about my preaching and all that. And he said, normally I would just go on and just discount it. But he said, I, he said the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, he, he turned to this man and he said, He he, he said, because here's what he said, and be careful when people say my. He said, my Jesus. In other words, the one I've crafted and created in my own mind. My Jesus. My Jesus, he said. He said, my Jesus doesn't scream at people. And he said, oh, really? He said, what about your Jesus He said, let me tell you about the Jesus of the Bible. When he went in and got a whip and began to go in with the money changers, do you think he might have screamed a little bit when he went into that place? He said, let me ask you something. When he had to preach to 10,000 people up on a hillside, do you think he might have had to raise his voice a little bit so that the people in the far back could hear him? And he said, let me ask you a question. Did your dad yell at you when you were growing up? He said, every day of my life. He said, sir, be careful of crafting a new Jesus because you don't like what your dad did to you. And We've got a lot of people who have crafted a a different Jesus. Only the real Jesus is going to get you to the Father. Okay? When the Holy Spirit falls, listen. He prophesies, Isaiah says, or Isaiah prophesies in Isaiah 32, 15, and he said, The Spirit be poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness will be a fruitful field, and the fruitful field will be counted for a forest, he goes on to say. Then he says in verse 16, Then the judgment shall dwell in the wilderness, and the righteous remain a fruitful field. In other words, when the message of the Spirit comes, or when the Spirit comes, judgment against sin begins to, begins to happen. The Spirit comes, and he begins, in other words, in other in other words, he he no longer a minister that, that has the Holy Spirit comes upon him. He no longer can be satisfied with a dead, dry sermon. That's why I couldn't preach to you the other sermon that I wanted to come preach to you. That's why my spirit was troubled all week because they you want to preach the pure word of God. The always the Holy Spirit, when he wants to fall, he always begins with his pulpit. And I think he wants to fall in the pulpits across this land. If we'll just let him begin to fall one time. Come again, amen. Because Isaiah's not speaking of a one-time outpouring. He's speaking of something that wants to come and wants to last. The Holy Spirit's coming and last. He describes something that will last. Look at the churches that once held thousands of people, and now they're empty. Now they're closing their doors because the Holy Spirit is no longer there. It's no longer there. It's just been the works of the flesh. It's just been an arm of the flesh. It's just been the moving of men that have gone. And now these places that once were filled with thousands sit empty. and. They sit with no life inside of them, many of them. Even some of the ones that are still open are lifeless and there's no spirit there and it's drying up. And once the spirit leaves or is lifted from a church, there's no longer any restraint. And we've had that all over, even in this church. There's no longer any restraint. In other words, there's no longer a cry against the flesh. There's no longer a cry against foolishness. Some of us allow our kids. We will get down and we'll be legalistic with everything else, but we'll turn a blind eye on our own children and give them a pass and won't even tell them the truth of God's Word anymore. When the Holy Spirit lives, I'm telling you, the restrainer lives and all kinds of evil comes in. All kind of foolishness of the flesh. We have got so much foolishness going on. We, can, we have no fear of God in the house of God anymore. We have no fear. We have no fear of saying things to parents. We have no fear of saying things to elders. We have no fear of saying things to pastors or worship leaders. We let vomit come out of our mouth. And folks, I'm telling you, if the Spirit of God ever comes back, woe to those people. Because you might find yourself dead like Ananias and Sapphira. Because when the Spirit comes, He convicts of judgment first. And when it leaves, there's no longer any restraint. It's just foolish as churches end up supporting partial birth abortion. And Christians. Christians end up ordaining homosexual ministers. We've done that for the last 10, 20, 30 years in this nation now. Just absolute. When the Holy Spirit lifts out of churches, they you know, can be a church. But I'm serious. There's, there's just flesh, and there's just deadness, and there's just dryness, and there's no more any sh- restraint there. Sexual immorality runs amok. Pride runs amok. Uh, we just foolishness, and we have that in the house. Slander, gossip, filth, backbiting, wagging of the tongue, all kinds of things. And guess why? Hey, I don't feel any. I don't feel any conviction. You know why? The Holy Spirit's not. Out there. Your flesh is okaying it. And you got a bunch of flesh people around you saying preach on. Amen. You should have told her off. Holy Spirit come back to your church. God have mercy on us. God have mercy on us. Man, one lady smiling, I love you, I'm gonna look at you all day. One precious, precious lady saying that I feel like you're saying, Preach on, brother, preach on. One person I feel just drawing this message out of me, the Holy Spirit in her life saying, Preach, preach, because there's the restraining, when there's no restraining force, anything goes. And when the Holy Spirit, we will, John. When the Holy Spirit comes... Let me tell you, his first work is to cleanse the church. And I'm begging that God come. I'm begging that the Holy Spirit come here and start cleansing this right here. That he'll start right here with the pulpit. He'll start with me. He'll start with the foolishness in my life. He'll start with the apathy in my life. He'll start with the complacency in my life. He'll stop. start right here with me. And he'll come. And then he'll work himself out. Because I, I, I'm just praying that he will come and that he'll cleanse every individual in this church until all flesh is chased out the door till the gossips are gone till the bitter tongues are gone till the strife is gone and it will be gone totally and completely and the spirit of God will reign supreme and you know why because that's what happened on the day of Pentecost That is exactly what happened on the day of Pentecost. Peter preached, and while the Spirit's anointing was upon his heart, the Bible said hearts were pricked. Oh dear to God, to see hearts pricked again in the house of God. Hearts were pricked, the Bible said, and they began to cry out, what must we do to be saved? Come on, I know, I feel it. Y'all are all saved, right? I feel it. We don't need to repent about anything. I repented back in 1952. (laughs) No, some need to repent today. And when the preaching with the Holy Spirit came... There was, there was, there was, there was conviction, and they cried out, Sirs, what must we do to be saved? And thousands came to Christ that day, and they didn't need to be convicted through gimmicks, they didn't need to be convicted through professional entertainment. They recognized their sin. They wanted freedom. They ran to the altar and they got their lives saved, and then they got filled with the Holy Spirit, and they became part of the church that went out to go get other people out of that. They recognized their sin and they wanted to be free and those who didn't face up to it guess what the apostles exposed them or the Holy Ghost did Ananias and Sapphira just a couple of chapters later lied to the Holy Ghost they could have repented on that day but they decided not to they lied to the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God they dropped dead right in front of Peter exposed The Holy Spirit is the administrator of peace of Christ. He portions out peace. Listen to what Isaiah says in verse 32, chapter 32, verse 17 and 18. Isaiah continues his prophecy. And he says this, the work of righteousness. If the Holy Spirit comes and begins His work of righteousness in your heart, the Bible says that it's a work of peace that comes. The Holy Spirit is busy sweeping out the unrest, sweeping out the disturbances, sweeping out the condemnation. And guess what follows when you get that mess out of your life? Peace, peace, peace comes into your life. It comes into your soul and you feel good. You feel free. You feel light as a feather. Some of you, the reason you got depression. Some of you, the reason that we've got sicknesses. Some of the reason, I'm not saying in every instance, there's people in the Word of God that are living godly and they suffer and they go through sicknesses. But some of us have such bitterness down in the recesses of our soul. Some of us have such hate down in our heart from 30 years ago and you wonder while you're miserable, let that stuff go. Repent of it and let the Spirit sweep you out and watch joy come in your life, and you'll smile like that precious lady right back there. And here's what it says. When you have the peace of Christ, you're not easily moved. Look at verse 19 and 20. When the hail comes. A lot of hail coming in this day and time. When the hail comes. And it comes down and beats the forest. When it it beats the forest, we're going to be a forest? Forest that the Spirit is making? Come on, not just a few trees, but a forest? Forest? When the spirit comes, a forest to peace, Raymond. And then but yet when the hell comes, when the wind comes, when the adversity comes, when the difficulties come, what does he say? When the city shall be low, we got a lot of lowness going on in our cities. We got a lot of violence. We got a lot of we got a lot of mess going on. We got a lot of mess going on in our schools. We got a lot of mess going on in our country. When the cities shall be made low in low places, blessed are you that sow beside all the waters that send forth tither the feet of the ox and the He's telling us that you'll be blessed. You can handle things because because you've got the spirit of the living God and you've got the peace of God Almighty. Amen? Amen. It's directed to Israel in Uzziah's reign, but but it's a double prophecy. It's directed to us as well. Dual prophecy in God's Word. Every generation needs an outpouring of, of, of the Spirit. We, the church ha- hasn't seen anything. We, we need to see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We haven't seen anything to what God wants to accomplish in this hour. And when the Spirit isn't present or being poured out, it's dreadful. Look at what Isaiah says the conditions are like in verses 10 through 13. He says, many days and years shall be troubled. You're going to have a lot of trouble in years when you don't have the Spirit. Wake up, America. Many years, days and years should be troubled. The vintage shall fail. How about inflation through the roof? And guess what? It ain't stopping. You think you've seen dreadful conditions yet? You've seen nothing. For the vintage shall fail. The gathering shall not come. Tremble. Be troubled. You say, I don't like this. I want to go to church where I feel good. You need to feel bad. Tremble. Be troubled. We ought not to feel good in the mess we're in. There ought to be something wrong in our spirit. Babies aborted like crazy People murdered and killed, defunding police and killing them and bludgeoning them on our streets. And you mean we're supposed to be walking around whistling? Whistling? They shall be troubled. They lament for their tents, for the pleasant fields, for the fruitful vine. Upon the land of my people shall come up thorns and briars, yea, upon all the houses of joy in the joyous cities. In other words, your life, when the Holy Spirit is gone, will no longer be fruitful. Your family will no longer be fruitful. Your church will no longer be fruitful. Your relationships will no longer be fruitful. We can't get along with anybody. No, if, if, they have a different, if they have a different opinion than us and they don't agree with me, then I'm done with you. Wake up. We need the Holy Spirit. Thorns and briars signify emptiness, dryness. Anybody felt empty lately? Took everything you had to get here. I understand, me too. Dry, dead, empty signify disappointment that often comes from old unholy congregates who rise up and create havoc in the ranks. That's all some of us come to church for is just to create problems. Thorns are unruly, undisciplined, continually stirring up chaos, harassing, spreading gossip, talking about people bickering, backbiting, doing more to cause trouble than to try to help lift the burden off somebody. The Word of God says if you don't drive these out, they become a thorn in your side. That's what He said to Israel in Numbers. He said God warned Israel, if you will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come to pass that those which you you let remain, they will be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your side and shall vex you in the land wherein you dwell. I personally think right now all this emptying out that happened with COVID and other times of God's house just might be the church of Jesus Christ needs a house cleaning and the pastors can't do it. You can't do it. Only the Holy Spirit can do it. And God cleaning His house is a work of the Holy Spirit. Because if this church isn't filled with the Holy Spirit, then the, 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 the sin is not exposed, which it's not in most churches. Or forsaken Especially. Come on, we'll amen about preaching about sin, but we're not going to forsake it. Good message, Pastor. And there's an emptiness and a death. And and is it possible that, that the Holy Spirit, once we had, has now leaked out? It's like water. It leaks out. It leaks. Listen, it, uh, I, was, I was reading a message to the leaders that, about the Holy Spirit of the dove. You remember that one of the characteristics of the Holy Spirit is a dove? Do you remember what it said when Jesus was baptized? It said, the one you see the Holy Spirit come and remain. Remain. And it says it twice there. But, 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 but if you grieve the Spirit... He says, be careful that you grieve. And this particular guy that I was listening to that said something about, if you, if you want to be good in leadership, he said, here's what he said. He said, find out what grieves the Holy Spirit and don't do it. Amen. And that's a good policy for all of us. You want to know what grieves the Holy Spirit? Because listen to what that verse says, Ephesians four thirty one. And here's what he said. When you grieve the Holy Spirit, guess what? He flies away. I'm not necessarily talking about a believer that the Holy Spirit leaves you. But what I'm talking about is the anointing leaves you. And listen to what he says. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You want to hear what grieves him? It's the next verse. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. If you are involved in bitterness don't expect the Holy Spirit to remain on you and the anointing of God. If if you've got wrath in your life, you let wrath control you. If you've got anger, if if you've got clamor, if you slander, the dove may just fly away. And I dare to say we're all guilty of this. along with malice, and our airwaves are full of it, and it's trickled down not only from them to us, to everyone, and now to God's people, and he says, put away these things, these grieve the Holy Spirit, and the dove is a very sensitive animal, a very sensitive bird, that when he hears noise, and when he hears clamor, and when he hears these things, he flies away, he lifts. And we wonder why the Holy Spirit's lifting from our services and lifting from our lives. Could it be possible the anointing has lifted up, the dove is flying away, and now we've become discouraged and we become depressed and we become downcast and we brag that we have the Holy Spirit's fullness in our lives. And Isaiah says, when the Spirit is poured out, there is peace. Why was the Holy Spirit not being poured out? On the people. And this brings me down to. The, the meat of this message. You want to know the answer? Complacency. Why was the Holy Spirit not being poured out. On the people in Isaiah's day. And the reason was the people were careless. And at ease. Apathetic. Look what he says in verse 9. Rise up, you women. That ye women is the church. You're the bride of Christ. That's the congregates. And what he's saying is, rise up, you women that are at ease. Hear my voice, you careless daughters. It refers to the whole, the whole congregation. And he warns twice. Listen to what he says. He says, rise up, you women that are ease, at ease. In verse 9, you complacent daughters. And then in verse 11, he tells it again. Tremble, you women at ease, you careless ones. This is the problem. And folks, if, you, if it ain't happened to you, it's happened to me. COVID has messed me up. Two years of this mess and watching TV and being in a house and being irritable and things being pressed and coming out of my life that I don't like to see and I don't like to know that that's who I am. For two years of my life, I've gone like this and I have got ticked off easy and my short fuse and my depression and my being downcast and my being withdrawn, all sorts of things. And it's caused me to be at a very complacent place. Some days I care if I read my Bible and some days I don't give a hoot some days i want to come to church and i muster up a little bit and maybe i've had a good week that week and i'm really excited and some days i just if i wasn't the pastor i wouldn't be here and i don't like it i don't like being complacent because i know what comes with complacency backsliding And so he's saying, rise up, shake yourself from this place. Shake yourself from this place. I think that's what he's doing to us, shaking us. And hopefully you're being shaken out of this place. But I I look around and I see multitudes of believers lying in beds of self-confidence. I'll get out of here and I'll get half calls. i watched watch you online. I enjoyed it. Because I didn't want to get up and get dressed and get in the car and be with God's people. Sometimes that's not the reason, but sometimes that is the reason. We've got whole people that now their church is online and they like it that way. They don't want to come gather with God's people anymore. They don't, I, I don't like people. I don't want to be around people. So this is a lot easier. I can just come into my living room. I can send my tithe online and I just feel good. This is great. That's not how God intended church to be, folks. multitudes in beds of self-confidence. He says, be troubled, sudden with fear. He, he Shudder with fear. He's speaking to His dead churches and He's warning them that you've lost the Spirit. You've lost your first love. You've begun to move into the flesh. You love entertainment. You're more interested in numbers and filling seats and, than you are the people of God. You've become hirelings. And Isaiah warns. And, 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 and His warning has never been more relevant than... It is today because we are in dark days. And folks, I've warned you from this pulpit for years if you've been here. More in the early years than now. I have warned that calamitous times were coming. I have warned that the stock market's going to crash. I have warned that the economies are going to tremble and fall. I have, We have warned that there were going to be wars and rumors of wars. We have warned that there were going to be perilous times. We have warned that America, if she didn't change her ways, was going to have some serious 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 issues I'm not warning you anymore I'm telling you we are there it's here and you need the Holy Spirit to survive you need the Holy Spirit your complacency is not going to get you through the days ahead You you need the Holy Spirit. You need it. You need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You need a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled and continuously be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because in one hour, Isaiah says, everything will change. And we saw that with 9-11. We saw that with the pandemic. And get ready, something else is soon coming around the corner. And you're going to see it with that, folks. In one hour, everything that is going to change and men's hearts will fail them for fear. World markets will crash. World leaders will tremble and hide in their bunkers. They're building them now to where they can go into the caves and mountains with all their money and their jets and their possessions and think that they're safe. And they're going to go into those places as millions of youth will run wild in your streets and burn your cities to the ground, totally unrestrained because the unrestrained force is no longer there because they're convinced that they're just going to die Tomorrow, so why not just burn it down? Look at Canada, man. Well, you can't look at Canada. Because they remove the cameras when they don't want you to see something and see that freedom-loving people are trying to, 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 to save their freedoms. But but you can't see that when there's crushing of this when you don't see it. In Ukraine, there is, there, my friends in Moldova could any minute have, have military forces coming right through their cities going into Ukraine and people that I love in the face of war, folks. We've been given a glimpse of what's coming and there is more to come and Isaiah warns the city shall be in a low place in chapter 32 verse 19 he says it shall hail and coming down on the forest and the city shall be low in that place so the answer becomes in the end how do we prepare for this time how do we prepare for something like this How? what do we do repent oh that good old word that good word I love repentance How do you prepare for terrible things to come? You repent. You rise up, you women that are at ease. And you repent for that ease. And you be troubled and say, God, I haven't been living for you like I should. God, I don't want to be at ease. God, I want to be excited about the things of God. God, I want to be working in your fields. God, I want to be moved by the Spirit. God, I want to love somebody more than I love myself. God, I want to care. I want to have compassion, God. I want to have concern. I want to care about the lost. I want to care about souls, God. I want to care about something besides money and possessions and iPhones and materialism and greed and me. Rise up, you women that are at ease. Be troubled, you careless women. Tremble and lament. Because in one awful hour, when all is being shaken that can be shaken, here's the question. Where will the church be? No, really. While everything that is being shaken that can be shaken... Is there a place the world can find refuge? Is there a place the world can find something besides foolish antics and and confusion and stupidity? Is there a place and backbiting and bickering and complaining and, 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 and downcast souls and downcast faces? Is there, when the world is shaking like it is shaken, is there a place that the people outside these walls can come and find refuge for their souls and find the truth of God's Word being taught and lived out? In the family, in the home. Will fleeing multitudes be able to find churches in this day? Will they be able to find a place where the truth is offered? Will they be able to find a place where there's no petty, foolish things going on? Will they be able to find such a place? And the one issue for every pastor and the one issue for every layperson is, do I have a supply of the Holy Spirit in me? Do I have a supply of the Holy Spirit in me? Because there can be no hope of harvest or fruitfulness or anything else until the Spirit comes. But when the Spirit comes, when the Spirit comes, then, then, then. When when, when there, when there, 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 there will be panic, he's saying, but those who seek a fresh supply of the Spirit will have peace. Do you know what's so attractive today? You know what's so attractive for somebody who has no peace and is panicked? Not somebody joining them in a gripe fest or a worry fest or a half-glass empty fest. Like, is somebody smiling? With a radiant count, countenance of God all over them, and, and you come up to say to them, "I want to, I want to blow my brains out." What, what? Why are you smiling? I want to divorce my wife and run as far as I can. Why are you happy in your marriage? I, 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 my my wife just died, and I'm not happy. But I, but I, but I've got faith. And I've got I've got an eternal perspective. And you know what? That's that's that is attractive. That causes me, if I'm lost, to say, I want what you got. Can you tell me more about your Jesus? Can you tell me a little bit more about that? No, I'm not talking about that church down there that talks about him all the time, but I don't see any evidence of it in my life. I see something in you different. I want to know how you are rock solid. I want to know how you're on a firm foundation. I want to know, I want to, because I saw you go through some of the same things I go through, some of the most difficult things in your life you've been buffeted with, but somehow you're still standing and you've got peace in your life. And you say, let me tell you about my Jesus.